We're studying the book of Isaiah chapter 48. And this is the last chapter of comfort to the exiles that have the promise of restoration from Babylon, the last chapter of this division. And chapter 49, when we get to it, we'll start a new section, and it will be comfort to the exiles in the prophecy of the Messiah, Redeemer. And then there's another division. In chapter 58, we'll get another division of this whole book of Isaiah, and we'll talk about that uh, when we get to it. But I just wanted to mention this is the last uh, chapter of this particular division of the book of Isaiah. And so uh, let's look at it. In chapter 48, in verse 1, it says, Hear ye this, O house of Jacob, which are called by the name of Israel, and are come forth out of the waters of Judah, which swear by the name of the Lord and make mention of the God of Israel. Now look at this last statement. But not in truth nor in righteousness. Now, this chapter has to do with a divine restatement concerning his people and their condition and then their future. The restatement of them, their condition, and their future. And here, of course, in this first verse, uh, in fact, verses 1 through 8, you see their condition and Jehovah's predictions or prophecies. And how those predictions came to pass, and how that they didn't really realize it until it was upon them, because if they had, they might have thought that uh, they figured it out themselves. But anyway, we begin with this, with the first eight verses here, and it shows us in the first eight verses their condition and Jehovah's prediction. The second section, verses 9 through 11, is Jehovah's acts for his namesake, verses 9 through 11. And then, verses 12 through 16, I am he. You might put that in quotations. I am he. And then in verses 17 through 21, Israel's future blessings. And then verse 22 caps the whole chapter out that there is no peace for the wicked. So, you have a division of this chapter given. So, let's take the first division that has their condition and Jehovah's predictions. In verse 1 now, look at it again. Hear ye this, O house of Jacob, which are called by the name of Israel, and are come forth out of the waters of Judah, which swear by the name of the Lord and make mention of the God of Israel, but look, but not in truth nor in righteousness. Even though they made mention of the name of the Lord, and they swear by the name of the Lord, and they make mention of the name of the God of Israel, they're still unfaithful, and they're still away from God. You see, it's not enough to call God by His name and not do what He commands. It's not enough to just say, we name the name of the Lord, and then still, what do they do? Not in truth, and nor in righteousness. We have to have a life that is in truth, and in righteousness, if we're to claim the name of the Lord. We don't do one thing without the other. In fact, remember Jesus said the true worshiper, worshiper shall worship me and worship him in spirit and what? And in truth. And in truth. There's a lot of people that claim to be worshiping God in spirit, you know. They just have spirit, spirit, spirit. But is there any truth behind it? And that's where uh, Israel was failing at this point. Now in verse 2, it says, For they call themselves of the holy city, now look at this, and stay themselves upon the God of Israel. The Lord of hosts is his name. 
They like to think themselves very holy. They call themselves the holy city and stay themselves upon the God of Israel. The Lord of hosts is his name. But at the same time, their idols said otherwise. They were worshiping idols. They claimed one thing and did something else. You know, Jesus got on those Pharisees that said, and he said, Born to you Pharisees, publicans, hypocrites. He got on them because they professed one thing and they did something else. And by the way, this is a good application for you and I, isn't it, today? If we profess one thing, let us do that one thing and not do something else. And so we need to have it in truth, don't we? So they like themselves to the holy, uh, to be holy. They like to think themselves holy, and yet their idols said otherwise in their lives. Now, verse 3, I have declared the former things from the beginning. I have declared the former things from the beginning, and they went forth out of my mouth, and I showed them. I did them suddenly, and they came to pass. Many things had happened just as God predicted. And it's the things that he declared. It's the things that went forth out of his mouth. And he says, I did them suddenly, and they came to pass. He did them in response to his predictions that he would do them. And he did them suddenly so that they would not be able, later on we'll find a verse, that they would not be able to claim that they had it all figured out that this was going to happen. So when God fulfills his word, he does it because he has said so, and he brings it to pass because the word went out of his mouth. You know, whatever God has promised, he's going to bring to pass. The Bible tells us in the book of Deuteronomy, the way to discern between a false prophet and a true prophet of God. He says, if a prophet tells you something and that thing does not come to pass, then that, that uh, man has spoken presumptuously. But he says, if that prophet prophesies something or speaks the word of God and it comes to pass, then you'll know it's of God. So the way to discern is if, you know, there's a lot of folks who are making all kinds of predictions today. And I've noticed for the last 15, 20 years, men have made predictions and nothing nothing happened like they said it was going to happen. And the reason being, it didn't come from God. That's the reason it didn't happen that way. Because if God had said it, it would have happened. So, now look at that in verse 4. Because I knew that thou art obstinate. That means that they were hard. They refused to submit. They were Stiff neck, you know, and thy neck is as an iron sinew and thy brow brass. We don't want to be hardened people to God's word. Some people become hardened to God's word. They get so set in their own ways, they say, well, even if God said. I remember one time I picked up a young man uh, going to from uh, Deval, Oklahoma to Wichita Falls when I was working there at one time. And um, he... Uh, told me what kind of denomination it was, and uh, I got talking to him about baptism, and he said, well, he believed in sprinkling, and he had been sprinkled, and so on, and I said, look, I said, if, if God were to show you, and if I could show you out of the Word of God, and God were to convince you that baptism was, and I didn't go into all the details of Baptist baptism, just the mode of it, just immersion, was by immersion would you submit to be baptized? He wouldn't do it. He says, no. Well, you know, that's obstinate, isn't it? If God would show you, 
I mean, you put it that way, and God is so set in His ways that regardless of what truth you put before Him, He still wouldn't, wouldn't submit to it. And that's what God was calling these people. These people were so set in their ways, because I knew that thou art obstinate, that's hard, and thy neck is an iron sinew, and thy brow brass. In other words, they refused to submit. It wasn't that they didn't know any different. They, they refused to submit. They knew God's commandments. They knew God's Word. The Bible says, He that being often reproved, hardeneth his neck, shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. So sometimes God brings judgment when men are that obstinate and that hard. He says, I have even from the beginning declared it unto thee. Now look, before it came to pass, I showed it thee. In other words, he declared it and I showed it. Uh, before it came to pass, I showed it thee, lest thou should say, mine idol hath done them. In other words, lest you would claim that your idol did it. So God says, I told you about it so that you would know that when it did come to pass, you, you couldn't claim that your idol had done it. And my graven image and my molten image hath commanded them. You see, a lot of times men give tribute to other things that are accomplished than God himself bringing those things to pass. They say, well, you know, it would have happened. It was just a coincidence. Or it would have happened anyway. Or I predicted that that would happen. Well, where did you get such a prediction anyway? If, if God's word has a prophecy to be fulfilled and he speaks a word, it'll be fulfilled. And you, we, we don't have any right to come to compare it to something that we think that we could have done ourselves, or claim. You know, he says his glory, and I believe it's in this chapter or the next one, he says, my glory will I not give to another. Now look at verse 6. Thou hast heard, see all this, and will not ye declare it? I have showed thee new things from this time, even hidden things, and thou didst not know them. They were witnesses of the fulfillment of God's predictions. Thou hast heard. See all this? Now verse 7. They are created now and not from the beginning, even before the day when thou heardest them not, lest thou shouldst say, Behold, I knew them. No one could claim in advance what God was going to do. God himself was the one that predicted what he was going to do, and God is the one that performed what he said he would do. In verse 8, he says, Yea, thou heardest not, yea, thou knewest not. Yea, from that time, from that time that thine ear was not open, for I knew that thou wouldest deal very treacherously, and was called a transgressor from the womb. You know, when he says was called a transgressor from the womb, of course he could be referring to, directly to Jacob, but he could be referring back even further to Abraham of Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, to the roots of the nation, which would be back to Abraham. Now then, in verse 9, it says, For my name's sake will I defer mine anger. See, God acts many times for his very namesake. Jehovah acts for his namesake in verses 9 through 11. And he says, For my name's sake will I defer mine anger, and for my, and for my praise will I refrain for thee, that I cut thee not off. If he didn't do it for his name's sake, he would cut them off. There's a scripture that says that God will not forsake his people for his great, great name's sake. For it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. And because God has made a promise and a covenant, we, we do a lot of things that are wrong. And we do a lot of things that re deserve judgment. 
And certainly we do a lot of things that bring chastisement in, in our lives. But God, for His great namesake, will not forsake His people. It's just like, you know, you have children and they do wrong and they cause you... Sometimes they just uh, get on your nerves and they want to do things that you don't want them to do and you correct them and they still don't get the message. And But you're still your children and you would never forsake that child. They're still going to be your child and you're going to have to work it out, aren't you? And work on them to work it out. And, and you're going to have to really get that problem solved some way. And God is able to help you do that. But the thing about it is, God looks upon us as we're His children. And we, a lot of times, in Israel of old, they, they did very much like some children do today. They rebel and they do all things that are displeasing. But we would not forsake them. God would not forsake Israel. And God will not forsake us. He says, For my name's sake will I defer mine anger, and for uh, my praise will I refrain uh, for thee, that I cut thee not off. Look at verse 10 now. Behold, I have refined thee, not with... But not with silver, I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. See, he will not destroy his chosen people, and he will refine. How do you refine gold and silver? You put it in the fire, don't you? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Remember uh, that, that, that Jesus said to Peter, Say, uh, Simon, Simon, Satan had desired to have thee that he may sift thee as wheat. Sift thee as wheat, but when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. Now, now what did he? What was he saying to Simon? To sift thee as wheat. It's like when you have the the uh, old uh, well, I can't think of it now. Gleaner out in the, the combine out in the field, and all that stubble and everything goes into the machine, and it blows that chaff out the back and the dust. And it takes that wheat, that pure grain, puts it up there in the hopper and in the bin, and it's ready to load into the truck because it's separated. And so what was going to come out of Simon's testing, sifting as wheat? Nothing but pure grain. And he says, and when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. Sometimes you and I have to go uh, be thrown into the devil's sifter for a little while. And then the pure grain of our lives comes out. And when we're thrown in that sifter, we, we really realize that there's some thrashing going on. But thank God that that pure grain in wheat is what comes out. Now, here he says, uh, notice this. Uh, Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. By the way, he chose them in the furnace of affliction. Verse 11, for mine own sake, even for mine own sake. He repeats that. Will I do it? For how should my name be polluted? And I will not give my glory to another. There it is, what we said a little bit ago. He will not destroy his chosen people for his own namesake. In verse 12, Hearken unto me, O Jacob, and Israel. Remember we have time, for, from time to time, have talked about the two names, O Jacob and Israel. Well, I thought they were all one. They are all one. But notice he plays upon both names. Hearken unto me, O Jacob, and Israel my called. Before we read the rest of the verse. Jacob was his earthly name, his first name, his human name. And remember, Jacob was a supplanter. He was a conniver. He was a manipulator. And he, he had to be saved by grace, didn't he? And then he was named Israel. 
because God gave him a new name. And so, here you find his first name mentioned, and then his second name. You remember there was a Saul of Tarsus that went about persecuting. And then there was the Apostle Paul. There was you and I with our natural name, and then we were born again, and God gave us a new name. You say, well, I still have the old name. Yes, but you have a new nature, and God will give you a new name, too, and it says in the book of Revelation. But uh, we find here that God plays upon both of these names, names of, of Israel or Jacob. Hearken unto me, O Jacob, and Israel my called. I am he, I am the first, and I am also the last. We said this section, verses 12 through 16, have to do, the title of it could be, I am he. And then verse 13 says, Mine hand, excuse me, <clears throat> Mine hand also laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand has spanned the heavens. You know, when we think of men and, and uh, men's developments in science or in technology, and we think we've accomplished a great deal, look at this statement. Mine hand has laid the foundation of the earth foundation of the earth and look and my right hand has spanned the heavens see God is almighty all powerful and we're so minuscule in his sight reminds me of a story my brother told me there's a guy from over in uh, France Paris came over to New York City and he was talking about you know how that they built things over there and the taxi cab driver was driving him down the street and he got to talking to the taxi cab driver and this guy from over in Europe said, over in uh, France, over in Paris, he said, you know, he says, uh, that's a pretty good sized building. He showed him a little old building there, probably 14, 16 stories high. He says, how long did it take to build that? The guy told him, he says, oh, they laid the foundation. It took them about uh, two years and a half or so on, whatever, constructed he said we could have done it with in half half with half the money and half the time. <clears throat> Going down the street a little ways and he come to another building a little big bigger and he said, Oh, that took about four years and so many million dollars and he says, Well, we could have done it with half the money and half the time. So the old taxi cab driver kept driving around and he drove by the Empire State Building. He says, How long did it take to build that? He says, What? He says, that building. He says, I came by the other day and there's four and a footer. <laughs> but God can span the heavens. Can span the heavens with His hand. And He laid the foundation of the earth. When I call unto them, they stand up together. See, God is all-powerful. I mean, He can do it in half the time, can He? He built a whole thing in... Six days and rested on the seventh. Verse 14 says, All ye assemble yourselves and hear. Now look. <clears throat> Which among them hath declared these things. The Lord hath loved him. He will do his pleasure on Babylon, and his arms shall be on the Chaldeans. In other words, he's promising here, this last chapter of this section that gives God's people comfort and assurance of their deliverance from Babylon. And here is another statement. The Lord hath loved him, he will do his pleasure on Babylon, and his arms shall be on the Chaldeans. I, even I, have spoken, yea, I have called him, I have brought him, and he shall make 
his way prosperous. By the way, he could be referring back to, remember the man that he had chosen that we spoken of, Cyrus, that would, was going to deliver them out of uh, captivity. Remember God promised in the book of Ezra, chapter 1. Remember we read that for you, Ezra? Turn back to Ezra. Chapter 1, it says, Now in the first year of Cyrus king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom, and put it also in writing. Thus saith Cyrus king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. And he goes on and on with the promises he made and the man that he has chosen. And, in fact, if you remember the last uh, few chapters, in chapter 44 in Isaiah, verse 28, it says, "...that saith of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be built, and to the temple thy foundation shall be laid." So God made promises concerning, concerning this certain individual that these things would come to pass. So when you read verse 15, he says, I, even I, in our present text, 48, Isaiah 48, verse 15, I, even I, have spoken, yea, I have called him, I have brought him, and he will make his way prosperous. Now look in verse 16. Come ye near unto me, hear ye this. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning. From the time that it was, there am I. And now the Lord God and his Spirit has sent me. Now then, we come to a section here that begins to promise Israel's future blessings in the next verse. But we find in this verse, Come ye near unto me, hear ye this. And he says, I have not spoken in secret from the beginning. God doesn't speak in a corner in secret. His word is to be published. Remember, the Apostle Paul said to Agrippa he, when he was preaching to him, he says, and Agrippa said, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I know that this thing was not done in a corner that you've heard about Jesus. He says, This was not done in secret or in a corner. So it was proclaimed in the Apostles' day. And God's Word is to be proclaimed from time to time. Now, verses 17 through 21 show us uh, God's future blessings uh, upon Israel. And that means future from that time. And also it has a tendency to speak of the future in view of the promise of Christ. So in verse 17, Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Look at this. I am the Lord thy God, which teacheth thee to profit, and leadeth thee by the way that thou shouldest go. Now what does God do? He says, I'm thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, which teacheth thee to profit. God's Word teaches us how to profit. Remember in the book of Joshua, chapter 1, God said to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. He says, Now arise and go over this Jordan. He says, Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that shall be your coast. And he says, Take heed. He says, Remember this, to meditate in the Word of God day and night, to keep His commandments, all that thou hast given to observe and to do it, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. So he taught them how to profit and how to prosper. And which leadeth thee by the way that thou shouldest go. 
God not only teaches us, but He leads us, just as He did them. By the way, your leading will come out of your teaching. Someone said, I wish God would lead me in the right direction. Well, first you need to be taught what is right, and then He will lead you. And the teaching comes, and then the leading comes out as a result and out of the teaching. So if you want to be led in the right direction, you be somewhere exposed to God's Word. At home when you read it, or in the Sunday school class when you're taught it, or, or whoever is able to teach you the Word of God, and then you receive it, and then you will be led in the right direction, the way that thou shouldest go. Verse 18, Oh, that thou hadst hearkened to my commandments. If you had just listened to my commandments. And he says, Oh, that thou hadst hearkened to my commandments. Then had thy peace been as a river, and thy righteousness as the waves of the sea. Thy peace would be as a river. We sing a song, Peace Like a River. And then we uh, have references in the Bible that show us what the blessings are. In Revelation 22, verse 1, He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, there was a tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Can you imagine there will be a time that uh, God will show us in eternity a river of life, clear as crystal, coming out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And the, the midst of the, of the street of it, on either side of the river, there was a tree of life which bell, bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. I like that. Someone says, when we get to heaven, what are we going to do? We're going to keep on serving God. And we're going to enjoy it. It will be with a blessing. Someone says, that, well, you know, I'm going to serve and I'm going to work while I'm here on earth. And when I get to heaven, I'm just going to lay back and enjoy things. No, you're going to serve God with greater potential and greater anxiety and greater blessings. And it will be throughout eternity. And it will be pleasant. Jesus said here, as we serve Him, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's not hard to serve the Lord today if you want to serve Him. Someone says, oh, it's a dread. It's a treachery. It's, it's, it's a, such a burden to serve the Lord. No. It's such a pleasure. It's such a pleasure. I mean, I'm the happiest person in the world if I'm preaching, if, if I'm teaching. That, that, that makes me more happy than anything that I know of on this earth, is to be able to preach and teach. And so it says here, back in our text, and we're about to finish with it, in verse 18, Oh, that thou hadst hearkened to my commandments, then had thy peace been as a river, and thy righteousness as the waves of the sea. Thy seed also had been as the sand. In other words, there would be prosperity, there would be offspring, and the offspring of thy bowels like the gravel thereof. His name should not have been cut off nor destroyed from before me. Go ye forth of Babylon. He's speaking to the Jews. You go forth from Babylon. Flee ye from the Chaldeans. By the way, this is the... Is what happened to them finally. With a voice of singing declare ye, tell this, utter it even to the end of the earth. Say ye, the Lord hath redeemed his servant Jacob. That would be concerning not only their deliverance from Babylon, but it would be also uh, applicable to our deliverance as well and Israel's future deliverance. Then in verse 21, And they thirsted not when he led them through the deserts. He caused the waters to flow out of the rock for them. 
Remember when God caused the waters to flow out of the rock? Exodus chapter 17, Numbers chapter 20. Exodus 17, they came where there was no water. And in Exodus 17, God told Moses, He says, You go up and smite the rock and the waters will gush out. And then again, they came to the, uh, the place of no water and God said to Moses, He says, Go thou and stand upon the rock and speak to the rock and it will give forth its waters. Moses got up there in Numbers chapter 20. Instead of speaking to the rock, he was angry because of the children of Israel and he smote the rock, not once, but twice. And God said to Moses, because you have smitten this rock twice, you will not take the children of Israel into Canaan's land because he, he became angry. Do not let people provoke you to anger that would cause you to lose a blessing. It did Moses. And he had a heavy burden upon his shoulders, didn't he? But he let them get to him. Have you ever heard people say, well, they just got to me? Don't let them get to you because it might cause you more trouble than it does them. And anyway, God gave them the water, even in Numbers chapter 20. He was gracious in still giving the water even though uh, Moses smote the rock and he smote it twice. But the, what's the whole lesson? First of all, this rock and the smiting of this rock speaks of Jesus Christ. Now, he was smitten in order that the waters of salvation would gush forth freely and abundantly for all of us. But then, after he was smitten and he was upon high, the next time that we are in need of water, we only speak and it's given. We do not smite him again. And the Bible says we not should, there's no one should crucify the Son of God afresh. So now he's on high and all we have to do is not smite. He was smitten for our sins. But all we have to do, and the waters of salvation gush forth. But now all we have to do is to speak and the blessing will flow. They'll come our way. You compare those two passages. Exodus chapter 17 and Numbers chapter 20. Now let's go on with this. In verse 21, and then we'll have verse 22 and we'll close with this passage of Scripture. And they thirsted. And they thirsted not when he led them through the deserts. He's referring back to the time that he caused the waters to flow out of the rock for them. He clave the rock also, and the waters gushed out. Now, verse 22. There is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. God gives peace to his people, but there is no peace to the wicked. You know, that applies to uh, not only the people of Isaiah's day and throughout the ages, but today... A person that is wicked in heart and is not repentant of sin and will not return to will turn to the Lord for salvation, he may put on a big front that everything is all well, but inside there is no peace. The only way that peace will come inside is through the redemption of Christ Jesus. The Bible says, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, he made peace. The last Three verses of Romans chapter 4 tells us that righteousness will be imputed to us if we believe on Him who was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. And Romans 5 verse 1 says, There is therefore... Uh, 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 let me get it. Romans 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I wanted to quote Romans 8 verse 1. It said, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. But therefore being justified by faith. That is, because we have God's imputed righteousness, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ.
Well, we thank you for your patience and your kind attention. Let's stand. We'll be dismissed in prayer.